We do get a little karaoke clip of um, a song as, as Mr. Craft walks into the kitchen and gets his cocker out. Yeah, uh, singing Joe Cocker and a woman's. Um, <laughs> and Joe Cocker and insert woman's name here. Yep, the uh, classic karaoke duet, uh, Love Lift Us Up Where We Belong. Uh, just just a few bars, but I know like there is some like legality situation surrounding e- even having characters sing like a few bars of a song sometimes is is something that you have to pay for. So yeah. it, was, it was interesting to hear that. Yeah, because I mean, if we couldn't uh, get this amazing uh, theme music that was made for us, we'd probably just sing our own version of it for, for not for too long though, maybe ten yeah. seconds. But I think that's how long the theme is anyway. So Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> With Phil and Chris and Graham. Sabrina, <laughs> the teenage watch is here to stay. Uh, Five star rating <laughs> on iTunes. And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where two, yes two, dismayed, despairing dimwits review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, my name is Phil and I'm your guide and host through this special episode, but we'll get onto that in a, in a short second. Uh, and I'm joined by the one and only Mr. Graham Riley. Hello Graham. Hello Phil. Yes, um, uh, how are you doing my friend? I'm, I'm not doing too bad in the circumstances, yes. which again we will get to, uh, here to uh, provide a uh, truncated review of a very good episode of Sabrina, uh, which I don't mind talking about again, but uh, why are we having to talk about it again? Well, just before we go on to that, obviously I'm, I'm sure you're asking at home, like, where's Chris? Where's Chris? He, oh. where's, where's the glue that keeps yes, the yes. team together? Well, unfortunately, um, uh, Chris was caught podcasting under the influence of Xanax, so uh, he did say in our last episode some very um, offensive uh, phrases. I'm not going to go into them. Uh, they were in the papers. So we've had to let him go. Certainly while well, he serves his sentence in a podcaster jail. I mean, you know, it's, it's, the way, it's always been a way with Chris. You know, he's always been on the on the cutting edge. He's always, you know, he's always sailed very close to the wind. And that's why, that's why we love him. That's why he's a great uh, asset to this podcast. But there are some remarks which... Some things that you just don't say. I mean... He should have known better, but you know I've, I've I've spoken to him, and obviously he's given his official statement uh, to the press. He he very much regrets what he said. He's uh, resolved to learn from the experience, and you know the the, the Andorran community. I hope in time we'll learn to forgive him for the things that he said. Yes, I mean we we all love we all love a cat's arsehole, but sometimes it goes a little too far. That appreciation. Yeah. Uh, no, we're kidding. He's in New York, isn't he? As as we speak, as we record, he is uh, is in New York. Um, you might be thinking, oh, that's great, but he's supervising a class of uh, teenagers. Uh, on a school trip to New York. So the reason why me and Graham, it's just just us two. Obviously, not it's not only the fact that Chris is here, but it's because our last episode, of Mrs. Craft, which is episode fourteen of season three, um, though sounding absolutely fine through the earpieces and through the desk, uh, when it came to actually uh, reviewing the uh, the audio, um, uh, the the following days, it was completely unusable. I, I'm still not entirely sure what's happened. It's I think the um, the, the software that we're using let us down, and it just sounds like we're, we're underwater. Um, I mean, I mean, it's easily in, in a relationship such as this when we're drowning in the banter. Yeah. But we don't want it to sound like we're actually drowning in anything. 
And instead, me and Graham are going to, rather than recap the episode fully, because, you know, it, it, it's we don't want to repeat gags, because, you know, we, 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 we're paid by the minute. Uh, but instead, we're going to give like more a more light, bare-bones sort of uh, review of the episode. That being said, though, there are some uh, people that have uh, helped me tremendously, thanks to the uh, hashtag Pod and Family and the Britpod scene, that did um, uh, do all they could to try and uh, fix parts of the audio. Rest assured, it was the funniest episode we have ever done. We completely surpassed ourselves. I think we just hit a new level, like... I, if you were here, you would not believe the, the the mirth and the insight that we offered. It was our Sergeant Peppers. It was it was wonderful. Uh, it was like the equivalent of Tenacious D's tribute. You know, it's, yeah, th- 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 that song is great, but it's not quite as good as that song that they made up on the fly. Exactly. Um, so I just want to do a quick shout out and plug uh, to those that uh, did spend a, a bit of their spare time fix trying to fix our episode. Uh, so first we've got Adam from the Odd Day Out podcast, uh, Matt from EMZT Radio, uh, Eto from No Match for a Blaster, Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting, uh, and a, a good podcasting friend of mine, Steve Sharp from the Sharp Podcast from the Britpod scene. So uh, do look out for all of those uh, podcasts. Not only are they brilliant, but they're all hosted and made by amazing people who uh, want the best from their fellow yeah. podcasters. So sadly, you know, it did still sound, you know, in, in a state of, of upset, but I do appreciate tremendously the, the the time that you did put in. Also, based off, off the quality of the, the audio that we were really upset about, we have decided to look back at getting some new software, some more uh, kits, some better kits. Um, so we are going to invest our own sort of our own money sort of putting this together. However, if you would like to donate anything to us to help towards that goal, that would be greatly appreciated. We love doing this podcast, even if it costs us loads of money. We love getting together, presenting this show, uh, talking about Sabrina. You know, we, we have a great laugh every time we do it. Um, and if you feel like you would like to give anything back to us, then you are absolutely more than welcome. Uh, we've very recently set up a coffee page. Uh, that's ko fi.com forward slash Sabrina the Teenage Watch. Um, you can just leave a little donation that is as much as a cup of coffee, a couple of quid. Yeah. Um, it's up to you. Even just a, a couple of pence, 50p, whatever. You know, just anything that you feel like you'd like to give back to us. That That is so greatly appreciated. We're going to put all that money towards investing in some better software and better kit for the future of the podcast. Uh, yeah, and anything you can offer because we are simple northern men with a simple low-paid northern jobs. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm down the pit, and you know, Phil, you're breeding your, your whippets, aren't you? And Chris, as previously documented, is out selling pasties out of a van. So yeah, we're not uh, we're not flush uh, with with cash. Um, you know, we have uh, put a fair amount of uh, personal expense into this podcast. But um, yeah, if if you're able to help at all, we would be immensely grateful. It's that website again. It's www.coffee. That's ko fi.com forward slash Sabrina the Teenage Watch. Any donations would just be amazing. As I said, they'll go towards getting us some better kit and some better software to hopefully lead to uh, absolutely flawless, impeccable audio quality uh, for, you know, for the remaining episodes. Yeah. Uh, content, that, that's down to us, really. Yeah. So the content might be terrible, but the actual quality of that terrible content will just be second to none. So as I said, uh, this episode is entitled Mrs. Craft. It's episode 14 of season three. In this episode, Sabrina and Hilda are kind of repulsed and horrified by the wonderful, uh, loving relationship between uh, Mr. Kraft and Zelda. So much so that they try and break it apart by uh, magicking in his uh, Mr. Kraft's ex-wife. And it turns out, Graham, 
She's only a bloody witch. Yeah, uh, hashtag Spellcraft takes centre stage in this episode. At first, in a way which, uh, you know, I, I wasn't too pleased with. I felt sort of cheapened it slightly. But with the introduction of a wonderfully wicked character, which uh, we have speculated about, have heard about for many episodes uh, leading up to this, uh, the ex-wife of Mr. Craft, um, and the, yeah, the twist being that she is indeed a witch... Hilda and Serena are forced to reconsider their opposition to uh, the relationship and I think probably for the first time really see Mr. Craft as a as a human being. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I think we were, we were told when we um, were, were about to crack on with season three that, um, um, you know, a great part of this season is this uh, this new relationship between Zelda and Mr. Craft. I think Zelda's just this uh, intelligent, sweet, loving, caring woman and Mr. Craft is just this... Just prickly, miserable old bastard. Yeah, but, you know, coming together, she's brought this this soft, gooey centre out of it. Yeah. it's it's. I really, really like Mister Craft. And when you say soft, gooey centre, you're not talking about the mucus in his ears. <laughs> oh no, he gets rid of that throughout the no, episode. No, no, yeah, um, yeah uh, Mister Craft. Yeah, at this point, is is clearly a very sweet man. He's clearly um, been scarred by this uh, this terrible marriage that he had, and we we learn quite why and how it was so terrible in this episode. It doesn't excuse some of the things he said um, in the past, particularly when it comes to his uh, his uh, misogyny in the early part yeah, of so, so uh, season so two. So are you saying we can't completely disregard all the sexist comments he's made in the past? Yes, but his prickliness, his suspicion, it does make a lot more sense in context. It is sort of in keeping with people who have experienced abusive relationships and how they find it hard to trust people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's there's a lot of depth and nuance to this character. I think it, a lot of effort has been made to establish a real consistency in his uh, his behaviour. And now he's being given like meat on the bones of his backstory in this episode. I think they took great care to provide an explanation for the way he is with the way that Lucy Craft is, mm. and the way she is 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 quite quite horrifying. <laughs> yeah, and, and some of her actions are played for laughs. Like um, I don't again, not not entirely sure if it's a studio audience or or it's um, you know laughter sound effects that's it's fed in. But uh, yeah, there's 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 some comments that Mr. Craft says, and you get giggles from the audience, and it's like, dude, that's nothing to laugh about, folks. <laughs> One of the darkest characters. Yeah. So far, possibly the, the darkest. The first, I think. I mean, we will discuss her um, more in depth gradually, but um, yeah, definitely the first real, real villain. Yeah. We've had we've had uh, Bobby Calzone, who was just it was just more of a a, a tinker, a dodgy dealer, wasn't yeah. he? Like it was it was somewhat he was it was a criminal who was going to get his comeuppance at some point. Yeah, not really who you'd, you'd say is a villain. Um, Dante, he was just a tinker, just a renegade, a rogue, and a kid, uh, and a kid at the end of the day. But no, yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Craft, Lucy Craft, what a vile, vile woman she is, and we will um, we will open up uh, her out as a character very, very soon. But first of all, um, I mean, the episode opens up with um, Harvey and Sabrina going uh, coming back from a date, a lovely yes. date, um, where they they divulge in like a slushy race who could drink a, a frozen beverage <clears throat> the quickest, um, and Sabrina says, "Oh, because oh, because I won." Uh, Harvey, you have to get me a surprise gift. So this part forms part of a, another subplot. This is the the C plot. Yes, I would say in this, very, in this it's very yeah. much the C plot. We'll, we'll we'll see parts from Harvey and Valerie um, for 
scenes no longer than 10 seconds, 15 seconds, maybe, throughout. It kind of, yeah, kind of sort of bookends the episode, doesn't it? The, the main hits of the plot. Yeah. Him saying he needs to get her a gift, and eventually him hitting upon the gift. But in between, there's some scenes with Harvey and Valerie where they sort of discuss what thought... Like, oh, yeah, they're, they're characters that are not really in this episode, but oh, yeah. Okay, let's see what they're doing. Yeah. But, but the payoff is quite funny. The, the very end yeah. leads to there, and, and it is quite funny. Um, yeah, and we see Mr. Kraft and Zelda holding hands. They're about to sit down and watch a movie. Uh, did you recall what movie it is, Graham? Yes, it's Billy Jack Goes to Washington. Um, again, character consistency. It was mentioned, I can't remember which episode, uh, in the in the past that uh, Mr. Kraft's favourite film was the seminal uh, 70s uh, horse rescuing uh, <laughs> flick Billy Jack and, uh, and and who did he rescue and what was it from? It was horses from being turned into the obvious thing is glue but in this case it wasn't what was he being turned into? It was dog food dog food right and in uh, Billy Jack goes to Washington he's taking on Capitol Hill um, what, what's the uh, what's the case that he's arguing? Oh he's he's, uh, he's taking rather than saving horses and, and fighting the I guess the compact sort of pet food market he's taking on his next challenge which is nuclear power yeah nuclear it's yeah quite quite an upping in stakes no offense to the horses i mean you know no one wants to see them turn into dog food but yeah he's, he's literally trying to fight for the future of the planet from uh, horses to horsepower i guess yeah i guess um all i'm saying is billy jack goes to washington bonus episode <laughs> I, I think i think it'd be funny i mean I, I, what oh, i think what would be a, a good idea is, is obviously uh, when we did baywatch we watched a couple of episodes and we watched three episodes of clarissa and, and are you afraid of the dark so maybe we can watch all four billy jack movies maybe <laughs> the mirror gag quickly refresh on that was she's dressed in like old school um kind of butlins holiday-esque garb and she just says baywatch the early years. Yeah, sort of like 19... Could be any point between 1920s through 50s. I'm not really sure of the evolution of bathing suit technology, other than that sex obviously was invented in the 60s, and that's when bathing suits became more revealing. Um, and, yeah, um, she says Baywatch the early years, which, yeah, I guess that works, and obviously we've got a bit of an affinity for the Baywatch universe, mm. and it is a universe. <laughs> the issue that we had was with her footwear. She really didn't complete the look. I mean, maybe she wanted to frustrate Quentin Tarantino uh, by not going barefoot, as oh, you'd imagine yeah. she would in a bathing suit. But she's wearing these sort of, like, glittery... Like, they're like pumps, but they've got, they've got a high heel. And you don't really want to be... Uh, Messing around with high heels on a beach. Trust me, folks. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. How are you going to sprint into the uh, the sea at the same um, velocity as as the Hoff, who guaranteed would be in Baywatch the early days with maybe a curly moustache uh, and all in one sort of uh, swimsuit, like a strongman's swimsuit? And his attitudes towards women would be in keeping with the times for once, which would, uh, <laughs> would be good. You might be thinking, oh, God, Mr. Kraft, ooh, icky, but it's such a sweet relationship that they've got going on they are clearly you wouldn't have thought it necessarily on paper but they are very very good for each other seemingly and speaking of very good um (laughs) oh yes they uh spend time communicating in uh, spanish to each other he makes a breakfast Uh, she says muy bueno and uh, he says i tell you what muy is my bueno (laughs) which is uh quite 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 the thing um i would love to hear the Spanish dub of this episode. 
to see if uh, he's just telling you what varies my good. <laughs> but yeah, it's a bit gross, and you know, Hilda and, uh, Hilda and Sabrina. It's played for grossness early on. Yeah. Which is sad because we've had little snippets of them before where it has been quite straight up sweet, and I didn't like, really... like when they were ob- observing the stars and they were challenging each other to. Um, to name the different uh, planets uh, in terms of like their mass and yeah, things, you know, exactly. so great, like, very just sweet intellectual banter between them. Yeah, and to see that relationship, which is pre-established as something that's quite, you know, quite sweet and lovely and uh, nuanced between two characters, we know well that have been quite well fleshed out for us. And to see that reduced to like the cliche, icky, you know, people calling each other uh, Zuzu and Monkey. And sort of the fact that they're a little bit older as well, that makes it worse, because like seeing older people be sort of like super affectionate and, you know, lovey-dovey with each other, it has even more of a stigma of just being just gross. So, yeah, it was sad to see it reduced to that, but it was to facilitate a plot development, which by the end makes the relationship seem stronger and more real and more necessary for the good of these characters that we care about than, than ever before, because we see how how sad Zelda is um, to, to lose him uh, temporarily to Lucy, and we see just the, the horrible treatment that poor Willard uh, suffers at the uh, the hands of his uh, his ex-wife. It's not that he hates marriage and stuff. He's always, like he's not against love, he's just not had much luck in yeah. it. So, you know, any opportunity for him to, to to find love and peace, I think he's all up for it. He's, he's definitely a trier. Um but yeah, it's just that he's just had bad experiences, and, and and we find out very later the worst experience anyone in a relationship could possibly go through. Yeah, and I think again, probably sort of plays with the tropes of the victims of abusive relationships that, when they are shown unconditional positive uh, affection, when they do enter a healthy relationship with somebody who genuinely cares about them and treats them well. Sometimes they do go a bit overboard, almost mm. out of out of relief and unfamiliarity with actually being treated well. Um, so it does it does again actually play into appropriate, obviously exaggerated for comic effect, but yeah. appropriate behaviour for the story that's been told about Mister Craft both before and during this episode. And it's about time we speak about Martin Mull in this episode. I mean, he, he's a very very funny man as we've seen many times in Sabrina already and in a lot of the other things he's done through the years. But yeah, this is such a such a full uh, realisation of his talents, I think, mm. you know, been playing sort of the, the creepy, sort of like cringy, lovey-dovey guy at the start, how genuinely sympathetic he is during his time under the spell of, of Lucy. We will go to the full extent of uh, Martin Mull sort of acting in this, because we, we later, it gets very dark very suddenly, very soon. Um, but he doesn't necessarily play as, as like emotional as you'd expect, but he does bring a very chilling, obedient, childlike yeah, we performance. Made, we made the point of how yeah, how how child it's amazing that this like forty five year old man with a moustache can seem so much like a child. We will talk about his his acting ability and the, the character that he the, the changing the dramatic changing character that he has with Mr. Craft very soon. Uh, just quickly noting what Salem's doing in this episode, he is trying to uh, I guess bewitch seduce a butcher's dog. Um, to being friends with him in a way that he'll be able to steal loads of meat from him. Again, that's another sort of subplot that's kind of just dashed in here and there. Doesn't really go anywhere apart from one gag in the middle um, where he's learning to speak dogs who can communicate properly with Silky, the butcher's dog, and he's listening to an audiobook of how to speak dog, and it's which way to the biblioteca? <laughs> and yeah, just, just biblioteca, um, just because 
somehow when you're learning foreign languages as most people have at school, it depends on which country you went to school in, but library always comes up and it's, it's bibliotheque in French, it's bibliotheca in Spanish and yeah, just, just that being thrown in there. <laughs> which way to the bibliotheca, like why it would need to be bibliotheca when it's English to dog, I don't know, but I, I loved that gag and I loved the idea of of learning dog. Yeah, it, 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 we saw it in the last episode about just the funny use of particular words, like when, um, sorry, not the last episode, the episode before, with uh, Valerie gradually becoming Sabrina. She didn't want to be called um, Sabrina Burkhead, she wanted Sabrina Sirkhead. Yeah. And it's just, it's so stupid, but it's just oddly funny. Yeah, exactly. And, but this this plot as a whole, um, even though Salem subplots sometimes provide us with some of our funniest moments, uh, this isn't really such a uh, such an episode. Um, basically, yeah, Salem wants to wants a load of meat from a, a butcher's. He's he's perving in a meat catalogue with uh, glasses <laughs> with glasses which aren't mounted to his ears, which makes him even better. Um, very early on, and he's trying to communicate with this dog so it can go and bring him some meat. But what's unusual about this Salem scheme, unlike any other one, Phil? It works! <laughs> it does! At the very end, he doesn't learn a single lesson because for the first time in possibly ever, his maniacal, selfish scheme actually pulls off. Yeah, I, it's, I, I thought that it was a central conceit of Sabrina. I thought it was a, a running gag that was almost sacred in a way that Salem has all these madcap schemes they, they vary in their gravity and they vary in their level of evil I guess this is one of his more innocent schemes really but it's, it's still him sort of manipulating somebody purely for his own greed and his own ends and he succeeds he's in he doesn't even eat too much meat and get sick or anything. He's just in just in meat paradise at the end of this episode. <laughs> um, and just speaking of Salem, it's worth noting that this episode was written by Nick Bakai. And we've said this before that it seems the episodes that he uh, takes charge in writing don't feature a lot of Salem. So do you think he struggles to write for his own character or he'd rather showcase his uh, writing talent on other characters? I think it's possibly self-consciousness that he wouldn't want to build an episode too much around himself because that might be construed as selfish. And there's also a degree, I mean, I don't I don't really know about the recording setup, although obviously you have mentioned before that he would voice his lines uh, just, just off stage uh, in, in, into a microphone. Um, but possibly... I don't know if it is taped in front of a studio audience um, or not, but possibly during recording he would want to see how well his lines were being delivered and how well they were going over, um, and therefore won't want to be worrying too much about his own performance as Salem. Yeah, that, that's very true. So, yeah, it's something worth sort of thinking about, the, the production side of the show. Uh, anyway, so we continue through this episode. Um, Mr. Kraft uh, takes Sabrina to school and he, he tells her to wind the windows up in the car, but she doesn't, so she gets pelted up with pelted with uh, garbage uh, and lots of just bin juice and she has milk in her ear and, uh, and stuff everywhere. But Mr. Kraft, he's... he's I wouldn't say he's cool with it, but he's he's got used to he's that's how it. he's being greeted every time he comes into school. As a fact of life, he's accepted as a fact of life. But the colour palette of this scene with their Max yeah. and the brightly coloured garbage that's thrown at them. We've got the, the bright reds and the yellows. I think there's like a limish green as well in there as well. Very pleasing colour palette to this scene. Uh, then we find out that Valerie's helping Harvey to um, come up with uh, a gift idea for, for Sabrina. He he wants to give her car mats because he has car mats. But, yeah. you know, Valerie says, no, that's shit. So uh, come up with a, with a better idea. So it eventually turns out that she suggests to Harvey about... Uh, taking her to a photo shoot is that like 
portrait studio. Yes. Uh, back at home, um, Mr. Zelda's on the phone, very giggly, very schoolgirl, on the phone to Mr. Kraft, um, who uh, he tells us that, well, through Zelda, he tells us that his grandma has some renovations on in, in the house, so uh, he, he could do with a place to stay. So Zelda magics in an apartment over the garage, and he moves in very quickly, very suddenly. Um, so Mr. Kraft moves in and instantly just winds everyone up, not on purpose. No, just it, through his general character. He is just being himself, just very sort of cheerful in kind of a pompous way, but also all the time Mr. Craft is kind of childlike. Obviously mm. he is reduced to literally being a subservient, simple-minded man with no agency, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to the spell he's under later, but he's always a bit childlike. He's always yeah. got an element of... I think it's because he's got no one... Like, like He's not got a partner or a wife to tell him, like, you can't do that, that's disgusting. Yeah, said. he has the lack of self-awareness of a child. I think that's yeah. what it is. Um, so when that comes to, yeah, sort of draining the... Uh, irrigating, he calls it, doesn't yeah. he? His ears, basically squeezing the juices out of them into a, into a bowl. <laughs> Which he probably left on the side like a typical man. Yeah, and they talk about finding his used uh, tissues, hopefully from blowing his nose and not anything else, <laughs> uh, down, the, down the side of the sofa. Um, yeah, he's, he's very, very unpleasant to live with. <laughs> so yeah, because we get now we get a montage of um, look how amazing Zelda and Mr. Craft's relationship is, but look look how awful is it impacting Sabrina's life because we see Mr. Craft um, sort of cutting his toenails, which is ugh, gross. Um, he's he's playing Twister with Zelda, which is really sweet. We we got a, a screenshot of this before we did season three, so we were waiting for for that shot. Uh, Sabrina tries to gouge her eyes out with a pencil. Is that right? <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, and then they wear the Billy Jack slash Guy Fieri cosplay, um, and it's just very sweet. They're just having a wonderful time together. Yeah, and uh, this montage, at least on our uh, license-free uh, DVD, <laughs> is uh, set to the backing track of the verses of a grunge song before it gets <laughs> loud in the chorus. Yeah, you could you could, you could just imagine uh, Kurt Cobain. Uh, Sort of brooding over over this track, but since it's about sort of like the growing seething resentment mm-hmm. of Hilda and Sabrina, it's probably quite appropriate. And instead of a hey moment, the <laughs> hey moment is is them getting Lucy in to uh, to take him down. Uh, obviously, you say about using music in the DVD that uh, obviously it was was used originally for broadcast, but not allowed in the distribution of, of the DVD. We do get a little karaoke clip of um, a song as, as Mr. Kraft walks into the kitchen and gets his cocker out. Yeah, uh, singing Joe Cocker and a woman's... Um, <laughs> and Joe Cocker and insert woman's name here. Yep, uh, the uh, classic uh, karaoke duet, uh, Love Lift Us Up Where We Belong. Uh, just just a few bars, um, but I know like there is some like legality situation surrounding. Even having characters sing like a few bars of a song sometimes is, is something that you have to pay for so yeah. it, was, it was interesting to hear that yeah because I mean if we couldn't uh, get this amazing uh, theme music that was made for us we'd probably just sing our own version of it for, for not for too long though maybe 10 yeah. seconds but I think that's how long the theme is anyway so Sabrina the teenage watch <laughs> with Phil and Chris and Graham Sabrina <laughs> the teenage watch is here to stay uh, Five star rating <laughs> <laughs> on iTunes. So it seems that montage is a little too much for Sabrina. She's starting to grow a little bit of a regret and angst about it. But uh, no, it's fine. She's accepting it. Hilda is being mature to a degree. She's just letting it 
She's just letting it wash over her, but yeah. she's still convinced Mr. Craft is in love with her. Yeah, still. Even though obviously she loves Zelda and she respects Zelda, like, I think the idea that somebody could prefer Zelda to her mm. is something that she can't really <laughs> accept. I mean, I mean, that's a good thing. I, one thing I do like about the selfish nature, um, the selfish intent between um, Sabrina and, and Hilda with this, is it does show them both to be quite awful. I mean, we've seen examples of Sabrina being an awful character anyway, but particularly Hilda, she's not doing anything outrageous apart from magicking in um, Lucycraft, but it just shows that she's quite obsessive and she is, I guess, a bit, there's a level of jealousy there. There's a level of jealousy, um, and also she's uh, like rash, she's kind of impetuous, so like she thinks, oh, wouldn't it be great if we brought in the X5, and then when she realises how awful Lucy is and how, how much danger mm. uh, Mr. Craft is in as a, as a result of her being back in his life then she instantly regrets it and resolves to do something about it mm. so it's so it, yeah no it is good they're kind, yeah, they're kind of petty they're kind of um, resistant to to change as much as anything else but ultimately they do do the right thing yeah I mean to give them credit the thing that really pushes them overboard is something that would probably push me overboard and want to magic in someone's ex-partner is Mr. Craft um, comes over to, to Sabrina and says Maybe you should start getting ready to call me Uncle Willard, and it's like, okay, it's it's a that's a little cocky, a little um, you know, a bit too overly confident, but okay, if your relationship's going well with Zelda, which you clearly think it is, and you are obviously very good together, then that's a possibility. But Zelda, you know, Sabrina doesn't really like it. He then sticks his head back in the kitchen and says, "And Hilda, you can start calling me that too." That's weird. Ew. But you know what, like. What's that about anyway? <laughs> Calling your your um, your mum's boyfriend or your dad's girlfriend or vice versa. Um, calling them uncle or auntie. That's weird, isn't it? It's like <laughs> so what your da- your dad's your dad's like married his sister. What's what's, what's going on there? That's, that's, that's really really odd. I only really thought about it the other day. It was a, a film I was watching. I think where like someone was calling their uh, their mum's like new partner uncle. I was like. Not right, is it? It's kind of like I guess a, a part of a male fantasy. We've seen Mr. Craft um, when he was uh, competed against Cupid for the Spellman Girls' yeah. affections, and he seemed distraught the fact that he's potentially missed out on a threesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like that. I guess like he's you know he's happily with Zelda, but you know Gavin Hil- having Hilda. Who's Gavin? <laughs> <laughs> but having Hilda, <laughs> Gavin Rossdale would be even better. Um, <clears throat> but having Hilda. Um, calling him uncle as well. It kind of yeah. gives him a bit of like a a, a sexy authoritative. Yeah, of... it's it's has unpleasant connotations, and it's one of those things where it works on a completely non seedy, just that's weird level. But it also works on a yeah creepy male fantasy call me daddy kind yeah, of. Yeah, you can call me daddy. Yeah, like... ca- kind of level as well. So it, it it's it, it's a, it's a good gag to use in a show like Sabrina, where it is seedy but it's also just weird on a non-seedy level so it has that multi-level appeal that you need in a family sitcom. Yeah I mean I don't think we actually touched this in the original recording of this episode but do you think that's a bad line for Mr. Craft to say because I like him saying um, saying to Sabrina stop calling me Uncle Willard because it shows he's confident he, show, he shows genuine happiness Yeah. He, he, he says it in the wrong tone I think but it shows genuine happiness about oh I could be a part of your family um, and I think if he just left the scene and did something else to make them Wind up. Yeah. I, think it, I think it would have been better. I don't like him then coming back and going, oh, here's 
old Mr. Craft. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a bit like the old Mr. Craft resurfacing, but then also he's just so oblivious that he could just say that without really even meaning any of that and just, just <laughs> say be... to a stranger in the street, you should start calling me Uncle yeah, Willis. Yeah, just, just being so hapless and awkward and yeah, I, I don't know. It made me laugh, so yeah, that's all that's it's fine. Um, so yeah, this is the final straw, so um, Hilda and uh, Sabrina go to, uh, to, to find a way to, to break... Uh, Zelda and Mr. Craft up. Uh, they consult the magic book, obviously, and they watch like a uh, a true life documentary about Mr. Craft. And we learn that uh, in the sixties and seventies, he was oh so in love. He was so happy. He was married. He was a free spirit with his long, beautiful uh, hair and his, I guess his his poncho and his, his. Again, though, character consistency going all the way back to the early days of uh, season two in, in a Gata Sabrina. In a Gata Sabrina. Um, Flashed back to the sixties, and we saw Mister Craft in his, his with his, his long hair and his free spirit acoustic guitar playing, uh, mellowed out younger self. And yeah, more consistency with that here. He had a lovely hippie romance with Lucy, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So it turns out that yeah, he was he was previously married to uh, Lucy, Lucy Craft, and she really brought out this gooey side to him. He was uh, skipping, um, sort of with his eyes closed, and he walks into a bloody lamppost, didn't he? He did. So uh, yeah, but it turns out that they had a a, a brutal divorce and stuff. And I guess uh, Lucy is the reason why he is like he is today. So they decide, well, she's the best weapon we can use against Mr. Craft. So they magic her in, and um, yeah, the first line she says is, oh, how great it is to be back in the mortal realm. And it's like, what? Yeah, so it turns out that Mrs. Craft is only a bloody witch, and she hails from the wonderful place of the Republic of Infinite Horrors. Yes, next to Lake Male Superior, which is a great line, and the reason it's called that is because in this... Corner of the other realm, women are entirely subservient to men and are forbidden from doing magic. Which Saudi Arabia, basically? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there were, yeah, the kind of it's it's a um, sort of like I guess like maybe a cult community where women, uh, where women, even you know, magic women aren't allowed to show um, sort of dominance and strength against men. So they're uh, they're forbidden from using the magic and they're not allowed to leave unless they find a husband. And to, I guess to be someone's burden, then I guess. And again, that feeds really perfectly into the dynamic of Lucy and Willard's relationship. She would have been desperate to get out of that hellhole, um, so she probably would have used her her magic to seduce a mortal, um, you know, unbeknownst to him. And also, if you've spent your life being downtrodden, being um, subservient then having magic all of a sudden could make you go mad with power and therefore exert an unhealthy and cruel amount of control over, over somebody. Yeah, so Mrs. Craft is, is played by uh, Julia Duffy. And let me say, she, she's like the series' first proper villain and... God, she's horrible, isn't she? She's horrible, um, but Ju- but Julia Duffy's performance is not horrible. Oh, no, it's no. absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, she just there's just such a sinister edge to Lucy because you know she's very she's very sort of sort of petite, sort of you know quite pretty, sort of you know uh, unassuming lady. But yeah, like just the the lack of emotion she betrays at anything other than being happy that she is in a place where she can start controlling people mm. and specifically Willard again is yeah like it's pure like psychopathic she, um she's yeah she she exhibits the traits of a genuine genuine sociopath which is is uh, not something we're used to seeing in our fun family sitcom <laughs> to say the least yeah. she's just happy to be using her magic back so now that she can use her magic again she obviously wants to stay in the um she obviously wants to stay in the 
uh, mortal realm. So she's she's going to try and get Mr. Craft. And uh, this is when we see Mr. Craft cleaning out his ears. Wonderful. And uh, they say, oh, Willard, we've got a surprise for you. And he sees Lucy and he screams. And proper in, in an unseen part of Mr. Craft, genuinely, genuinely terrified to see this woman. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, no. No, this has to be a dream. No, 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 no. Yeah, just absolutely, just horrified, traumatized, like like a PTSD victim might be, um, at you know being reminded or presented with what 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 caused their uh, trauma in the first place. So again, quite a quite a dark scene. We also learn that the only reason that they uh, were able to uh, get divorced, Mr. Craft was able to break free, was because she left the gate open one day, <laughs> and he ran out. He was he was literally. A prisoner. A prisoner, you know. So some men would, would agree with me there. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, he was literally a, a prisoner to, to this woman. And uh, yeah, just because she left the, the fence gate open, he, he ran out. So he... I asked this at the end of our, our last episode. Do you think he was aware that she was a witch or just aware that things strange things were going on and he couldn't explain it? I think... I mean, obviously, we've had the whole... Uh, somehow, I believe my ex-wife is behind this uh, remark uh, at being presented with magic uh, in the past... I don't think he knew, no. I think that he just believed it was just one of those relationships which a lot of people get drawn into where they love the person no matter how much they mistreat them. And um, it makes them so much more resentful than if they were just like, I, I hate you and I don't want to be with you anymore. Like He did actually love her and the love was not reciprocated most of the time, and he, yeah, he probably just thinks it's one of those really unhappy, unhealthy marriages that people sometimes find themselves trapped in. Yeah, yeah. So he, he genuinely, uh, he literally escaped from her clutches and ran off. And uh, fair enough, Martin Mulg does like a comedy, Aah! but still, like the sheer sort of the look on his face of, oh my god, no, 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 yeah. no, no. You, you can see, like, you can see the the flashback, the the Vietnam flashback yeah. going, going back. Um, and obviously Sabrina and Hilda don't care, they're like, it's alright, he'll split from his elder soon enough. And uh, yeah, it comes around quite quickly as, as the next day he comes around to borrow some, some uh, coriander, because he's making Lucy a meal. Um, but he he comes equipped with something, doesn't he? What, there's this certain change in personality where he's got a, a strange, bewitching twitch. Yeah, and we we see the situation um, where he's not entirely devoid of his own agency it's it's just it's like a like yeah it manifests itself in a in a twitch he'll sort of you know move his move his neck there'll be a little like Cheek! noise um that prompts him to compliment lucy and yeah. to assert that lucy is the person that he that he cares about most in the world and, yeah. and things but then at various points he sort of regains control and like compliments zelda and is clearly so sad that he can't that he can't be with her anymore, and that that he's having that he's having to upset her basically mm. by talking about Lucy all the time. It's quite heartbreaking, really. Yeah, it's it's he keeps saying like, "Oh Zelda, I I love your hair up like that," and he probably yeah. sort of, he twitches back and he's like, "Oh no, so I've got to talk about Lucy. Lucy's yeah. great. She's she's kind to me. She's wonderful." Um, so sort of, such like a possessed, sort of hypnotized um, sort of look on his face, and Lucy comes in. To say that, uh, yeah, he's he's mine. He's, he's you know, he's back. He's wonderful. Uh, come on, Willard, uh, drink. Oh, drink your tea. She makes him like a, a magical uh, herbal uh, witching brew. I guess witch's brew. Yeah. Um, which is keeping him obedient. And he again, he drinks it with two hands like a child. Like yeah, it's very it's I, very creepy and very obsessive. And when he leaves me, there's like a like 
childlike like Lutherus did like wave and things yeah. as well. Like it's it's yeah it's it's bizarre and, and sinister. Also, he's not Zelda's a monkey anymore, is he? He's, he's Willy Pooh. Willy Pooh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Zelda is um, is is obviously clearly upset. So she she goes to sort of walk, I guess, and think about. The, the relationship going a bit sour. So the next night, it turns out that the they've been invited round for for wine, I guess, and uh, sort of you can just see how possessed Mister Craft is, how uh, transfixed he is with with Lucy's. As Zelda goes to to get more uh, wine, Mister Craft isn't drinking; he's drinking his tea, um, and he he says he compliments her, and she says, "Oh, stop!" And uh, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, was it wrong? Was it wrong? Did I do something wrong?" And he's, she's like, no, no, it's just a figure of speech. And then he says, so you're not going to hit me? You're not going to hit me then? Like, mm. oh. And of course there's a little giggle because it's like, oh, it's Mr. Kraft, this silly sort of round-faced moustache man saying, you're not going to hit me. He's he's an awful character who, who uh, emotionally bullies people. But it's like, this is a, a man who is has been so emasculated and bullied by this, this woman who we've heard from used to lock him up and clearly used to beat him. Yeah, like to the extent where he's expecting it every time he says something wrong. It's a bit too it's a bit too real and I've made this point in the original episode, like if the roles were reversed, if it was, you know, say like, you know, Hilda or Zelda, maybe if they had an old boyfriend that had her under the spell and they said that, you know, just it just it just wouldn't be it just wouldn't be on, you know, it's mm. very very much something where it can be presented with a veneer of comedy if it's if it's a male character, um, but if it's a female character, it would rightfully be considered too dark and is also too dark when yeah, it's a male I mean, character. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if yeah, because if if it was say um, say it was Mister Craft and Hilda had put him under a spell, yeah, and he said to Hilda, "Oh, you're not going to hit me again," because of the sort of character we've known Hilda for sixty odd episodes, like we know what she's like. Yeah, we thought, you know, if he's saying that, he's, oh, you could probably brush it aside as just a, a, a funny remark that, oh, she's probably hit him with something, you know, like a fish or a yeah. handbag or something. But because we've never met Lucy Craft before, she's a brand new character that um, we've all we've heard is just awful things. We've yes. seen her psychotic uh, sort of face and a lack of emotions. There's, you can't help but genuinely believe and feel Mr. Craft's upset and fear in her because... We don't know who this woman is. We we can't vouch for her. Like this is just a woman who's who's made him so upset. He thinks he's going to hit him. That's a that's a really good point. The fact that yeah, if it was Hilda, obviously we joke about her being sort of murderous and things, but we've never seen her be murderous to yeah. people. Yeah, you'd imagine it would just be like a clip round the ear or something. But because it's Lucy, who we've only seen, well, with with she just is this threatening dangerous character we don't know anything about her and like you say what we have seen is so sinister and she seems capable of just about anything basically that yeah that is what makes it all the worse mm. and we said about Martin Mull's, Mull's acting because um, uh, Zelda comes in and uh, Mr. Craft announces to her that he's moving out and he's moving in with Lucy so um, he's off and uh, Zelda runs off into the kitchen crying and yeah, this Mr. Craft is led out by Lucy again in such a childlike manner. Like yeah. he's, he's kind of like, his, his shoulders slumped. He's looking down. He's waving really yeah. sort of limp-wristed to everybody. And fair enough, you know, he's, he's Martin Mulley's not necessarily a, uh, a die-hard emotional actor, but the fact he's with his body, he's able to change Mr. Craft one hundred percent as 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 this yeah. really defenceless. Poor, sympathetic character. Yeah, it's great. It's great, great physical acting. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and you leave thinking, 
yeah, come on, Sabrina and Hilda, you need to do something. Yeah. And they do. They go into Zelda, and they uh, Zelda sort of breaks down, and she, she's upset that you know he, he was he was the right for me. We were so happy, which causes Sabrina to kind of learn from her mistake and say that you know that we we I summoned in Lucy Craft. Yeah. Hilda tries to get away with it by acting surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Typical Hilda. Uh, but yeah, they confess to her that you know. He, that uh, Mr. Craft is under a spell, so go on, use the laptop, go on, go on, um, use the spell to, to to compete against her. So they go to the laptop, the Spellman gals and Lucy are transported to, uh, in front of the witch's judge. Yes. And uh, they, for, for competing against a male mortal, um, you know, it's... Competing it's, over a male mortal. Oh, yes, yeah, so competing over a, a male mortal who is a vice principal, and uh, there's only one way that they can settle this in... Uh, by talking to the wisest, most respectful, most honest and fair uh, witch's judge in them all, who is Jerry fucking Springer. Of course it's Jerry fucking Springer, because it's 19-fucking-99. Um, yeah, Jerry Springer parodies were and um, cameos were everywhere in this exact time. Uh, there's a Jerry Springer scene in Austin Powers 2, which I believe was released that very year. Uh, the Simpsons around about this time, and it was starting to go off the boil. Uh, there was a Halloween episode with Jerry Springer in. Uh, yeah, it was it was the cultural, the embodiment of the trash TV cultural moment of the late nineties. Really, Jerry Springer, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like the Sabrina version of this because obviously it's magic, and of course Jerry Springer is a witch. Yeah, um, but I like that element to it, so I don't feel tired of seeing him in in this show. But uh, I guess other tropes or other examples of him in other shows could be a little, little more tiresome. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's done well. And regardless of how lazy it is to do a Jerry Springer segment on all these shows, Jerry himself is always good value. You know, he always like gets involved. And the fact he's presented as, as a witch here, obviously, adds a nice, nice bit of variety. And I think he's, I think he's absorbed into the Sabrina world pretty. Uh, Pretty successfully, yeah, and and they sort of like they they make fun of the the usual tropes of sort of Jerry Springer how they're all standing up and fighting. They have got the bodyguards, they're shouting abuse at each other. Um, Sabrina pleads her case, Hilda pleads her case, and then he's bleeped out, and you're thinking, oh my god, she's swearing, but Jerry just says, well, she's not. But adding the bleeping makes it seem like she is. Yeah, and again, that's something that's always in the Jerry Springer parodies is the massive bleeped out swearing. But yeah, it's the first time, first time I've seen it uh, seen it used for that particular gag, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> so it was fun, and, and yeah, so Zelda and and um, and uh, Lucy are are competing. They they get up and have a little cat fight. Uh, eventually, Mister Craft is brought out because uh, Jerry. He, uh, he he didn't conduct a, a lie detector test or a DNA test. What did he conduct? Potions test. So you've got this sort of big like human body diagram, and he's sort of like the it's, is it draining all the potion out of him? Basically, yeah, it, it's, supposed it, it's, it's supposed to show how much sort of magical influence is going to be in him. And he says, you know, naturally humans are going to have a little bit. Yeah, so, you know that that's a backstory we want to know about. But yeah, so it turns out Mister Mister Craft is is full to the brim yes. of of a magical poison as such. And so he's he's instantly drained. And uh, oh, one good line that Lucy says is um, in in true Jerry Springer fashion, is uh, Zelda says like, "Oh, he's my boyfriend." She's like, "No, he's my man. You were just keeping him warm for yeah. me." So they have a big fight, and uh, Mister Craft uh, ultimately has to decide the the ultimatum, which is which which, and uh, he does a funny and makes us think that he's going for Lucy, and for a split second, I thought that's how it was going to end. Yeah. Even though we've seen him come a long way in this, particularly in this season, does he just like comfort and familiarity? Yeah. Even though Lucy is awful for him because she's an awful person, but does he just feel 
better being with the old. And also, even though you don't want to see your man suffer, um, he if you did pick Lucy, it would mean she was going to be in more episodes, which I would kind of like, because yeah. she is a fascinating character. Unfortunately, I believe you told us this is the only time she I appears. Think, yeah, yeah, as far as I can see, this is the only appearance of, of, of the actresses. As Mrs. Yes. Craft. Not to say that Mrs. Craft, this is the only appearance of her ever, but definitely, you know, in, in, with this uh, with this actress anyway. But uh, yeah, so much like this, you know, I would have liked to have seen um, part of the Republic of Infinite Horror. I think it's a really interesting, albeit dark, yeah. but an interesting um, realm I'd like to explore. Yeah. And in, in, in true Jerry Springer fashion, they have a massive brawl. Um, no Steve Wilcos, clearly he uh, <laughs> he costs too much. <laughs> I know. The, the credits then roll, and uh, Hilda's got her hand in a bowl of ice. Um, Zelda, I thought, was just getting like a tin of beans out of the freezer and putting her on a jaw, but no, it's actually a tub of ice cream, yeah. um, because she's got a bruised jaw. Um, and Sabrina is um, about to have her picture taken with, um, you know, with. Sorry, I'm just, 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 just chuckling in from the idea of freezing a tin of beans. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, tins, tins typically have uh, got good use by dates on them, yeah. but you know, sometimes you might need to freeze them. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try it. I'll do an experiment. I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll but would be- the bean juice like ice over? It could be, yeah. It'd be a nice lollipop if you stick like a. a <laughs> if you stick a, a stick in it and then stick it in the freezer. <laughs> in a sort of bean ice lolly. Hmm. There's got to be a market for that. There, there, there has to be. Um, you know, we already made his eggnog. Bean lolly, that's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nice bean lolly. So when he gets to the height of summer, uh, to stop Chris from shitting his pants, maybe we'll uh, we'll get some some bean uh, lollies. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned for that live reveal. Um, oh yeah, and then yeah, and finally we we follow Sabrina as she's about to have a picture taken with Harvey. And uh, you remove the blindfold, and she's got a bloody great big shiner. Yeah, and we freeze on Harvey's. Whoa! Yeah. That was our recap. You know, I said this was going to be sort of like a low-fat, quick recap. Yeah, we more or less did do it scene by scene. We're, we're creatures of habit, folks. I mean, you know, we've recorded for almost an hour. Yeah, so we, just past an hour. We've just got so much to say. Yeah, that's it. Chris or no Chris, we've got so much to say. I don't think we need Chris anymore. Oh well, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, who, who, who else is going to make those 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 inappropriate comments about Andorans? <laughs> yeah. Who else is going to use all those jokes that I have to cut out because he says something that went over the line, and yeah. you know, we have to publicly shame him but yeah so looking over Mrs Craft again for the second time Graham is it still a, an interest it's still a good episode it's still Interest- a good episode. asking the interestingly scene that this is the second time we watched yes we, we did actually re-watch it before recording to refresh ourselves and I did enjoy it second time through as well there's even some gags I missed it's a very very full episode it crams a lot into its 25 minutes and even though the uh, subplots aren't the most uh, creative or, or funny they serve their purpose and they're not they're not they, they're very much subplots, aren't they? Like, so much of it is dedicated to the um, the Willard, Lucy, Zelda love triangle, as it were. I think all that is just played so well. Um, you know, brilliant performances. What would have made this episode great was, instead of... Uh, they should have used the bit where they're all... It's um, the black eye and, the, the, you know, the, the, the hand in the, in, the, in the ice and stuff. Should have been just before the credits, and then the credits should have been Jerry's final thoughts. Yeah. Just as something that very sort of witch-related. He did hint at doing it. Um, so I would have liked it just to have been talking about, um, you know, if you are a witch and you are falling for a mortal or for another witch, this yeah. is how you need to treat them and stuff. And I think it would have been a nice, funny, but touching piece of fictitious advice. Yeah, we do get a bit of Jerry moralising uh, at the end of at the end of his scene. But um, yeah, it 
should have gone on for longer and it should have it should have rounded out the episode. But no, I, th- I think a very good episode, uh, brilliant performances, as you say, by everyone and such a dark, very quickly upsetting exploration into a character that we've heard about in a comedic, bitter husband, bitter ex-husband kind of way, thinking like, oh, I bet she's lovely, I bet she's going to be a wonderful woman, um, and then it turns out that she's this horrible witch. Do you think this iteration of, of Mrs. Craft was a good fit. Yeah, it could so easily have been disappointing, but I would say when you've heard so much about a character, when you've speculated a fair bit about a character, but it was anything but. I thought I thought Julie Duffy, you know, just gave an absolutely wonderful, chilling performance. It could have, you could have done it the other way. You could have had it that she's, you know, an, like a lovely, warm, like positive person, and he reacts to all the nice things she does like it's absolutely awful. Yeah, you could do that, and it could have also have been very, very funny and very entertaining. But yeah, I think if you're gonna with Willard in the role he has in the show now, mm-hmm. where he's not so much of an antagonist, and he is, you know, he is, he is like a. He's lo- just a cranky old man that winds Sabrina up. That's it. Yeah, he's a lovable loser, really, yeah. and 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 nothing nothing more than that. Um, so in the role he has now, it it is better to have the wife be a villain, be an antagonist, and you know, it's not like she was some sort of stereotypical oh, fucking bitch ex-wife or whatever. Um, I mean, you know. A show like Sabrina, which is you know so sort of female driven, would would never have a character like that, and it's all the better for it. Um, but yeah, she was just so just so chilling, just so psychopathic. It was, but and like like all the best villains, like she, I wouldn't say you could sympathise with her necessarily, but you could understand why she might be the way she is, considering oh, absolutely, the yeah. backstory she was given. So we're speaking of progression. We might as well uh, just the two of us give a very quick uh, sort of score on the episode because at the end of each episode, even these second recap episodes that are surprisingly the same length as a regular episode, <laughs> um, um, we do like to give our episodes a score based on a certain set of criteria. They are magic, wit, creativity, and progression. Uh, first of all, Graham, the use of magic. How's that score with you? Yeah, there wasn't that you know, wasn't that much magic that really grabbed me in this episode, I would say. Um, probably, yeah, probably a two, really. For yeah, magic. it was yeah. just a lot of poisoning, really, but yeah. it's not too magical, it's more sad. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd say a two. Uh, wit. Well, it was a witty episode, too. Uh, there were some good lines all around, but because it was so serious, I wouldn't say it was, a, it was, there was too many laugh-out-loud moments. Mm. I'd probably say three. I'd say a three. Like yeah. it, it's 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 still very witty, but a lot of it was very dark and but which I still appreciated. It yeah. didn't have to always be laugh out loud. It just has to be an enjoyable episode, and that often works into creativity. Uh, creativity, yeah, very very creative um, in terms of using the tools that they have in terms of witches and what they can do to make Mrs. to make Mrs. Graff into a witch. Um, the way they worked Jerry Springer into the witching world was. Sensible wasn't wasn't too wasn't too crowbarred in. I thought it was was quite yeah, well. It's not the most original um, sort of set piece to put in a Jerry Springer segment, particularly as you say, nineteen ninety nine. But the way I think they did it in in this episode, I think it, it yeah. worked very very well. I'd say four on creativity. I would say four as well. And finally, progression. Uh, quite a lot of progression, really. Willard and Zelda's relationship is is solidified. We hope now, um, and uh, Sabrina and Hilda have finally fully accepted it because they realise how happy they make each other and I hope, as as we certainly do, they see Mr. Craft as a bit more of a of a human being who's not quite Uncle Willard, but not quite Uncle Willard, but see that he's 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 been through a lot and there's there's a a lot underpinning the way he sometimes is and ultimately he is a good person. 
um, and nothing makes you more aware of what a good person he is than seeing him, uh, you know, come across a, a real dickhead in yeah. uh, in, uh, in Lucy. So, and, and, uh, and speaking of that dickhead as well, like, uh, you know, fair enough, it might be a character we'll never see again, but we've heard so much about the infamous ex-wife of Mr. Crack. Yeah. And for her to be delivered in such a good way, fair enough, it doesn't progress her character past this episode. No. But I think it, we got a beginning, middle and an end with her. I think we've yeah. got closure on on Mrs. Craft. So I think with that in account, I, I'd say a five. Yes, other than, but maybe we should just let this one go now. There's bugger all family secrets again <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, but I think, uh, we've said before, I think sometimes no family secret is good. Yeah, if, if at the end, she, if the end Lucy was like, oh, by the way, I'm related to you, and is this, <laughs> it, it, it would be pretty bad. So uh, I don't mind that being shelved, especially when it is to to flesh out some existing characters that have been with us for a while. So yeah, I'd, I'd still go with a five, because it, it, ple- it pleased me a lot how much we learned in this episode. But there we go, 14 out of 20. So it might not have been a laugh-out-loud episode, but it was a very good one, particularly for character progression. Um, well, thank you very much, Graham. It's been You're a... Uh, it, was, it was a rush detection the other day saying, this has gone wrong yeah. the episode is broken do you fancy recording it again yeah. and uh, yeah fair enough Chris isn't here but you know I think I think we managed to get a, a decent episode out it was going to be a low fat skinny version but well there we go it's full fat bands oh yeah um, as expected always, always always full fat with us too and um, yeah uh, yeah I very much enjoyed it yeah so I've been uh, my name has been filled in throughout thank you very much for joining us and now of course I've uh, been sat alongside uh, which I've not done for a while actually no we've kicked it old school uh, just 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 uh, just the two of us around the microphone um, usually feels marooned on the the uh, on on his ego couch, as me and Chris call it, on the uh, on the far side of the room. But uh, yeah, so yeah. Be, be good to see you uh, down mingling with the commoner today. And, yeah, it's uh, been nice to see the left side of you. I've not seen yeah. you for a while. <laughs> and as I said at the uh, the top of the show, if you do have any uh, spare spare monies in those in those big bank accounts that you may or may not have, um, then any donations made to our podcast would be greatly appreciated. You can find all those details at www coffee that's ko hyphen fi.com forward slash sabrina the teenage watch oh well next time graham we should have some better kit uh yes and a full compliment of our presenting staff and a better producer than colin <laughs> yes Ooh, well uh apart from colin may every little thing you do be magic, be magic.